hold your left hand out in front of you. All fingers up, palm facing away from you. Now, I have a few questions, and if you can answer them the way I explain, if the answer applies even in the slightest, you put your finger down. Here we go. Put your pinky down if you've ever felt ridiculed or abandoned when you're trying your hardest. Put your ring finger down if you've ever been made to feel less than when you're giving it all you got. Put down your pointer finger if you've ever made a terrible decision in the name of trying to do something right. Now, if you've never judged someone for any of the three previous questions, even briefly and in, in your own head, put down your middle finger. It's still up, isn't it? See, even when you're doing the best you can a majority of the time, you're still fucked. You know why? Because you got out of character. You judge someone without considering their struggle. Considering someone only at face value means you've devalued them. And if they believe no one values them, they start to not value themselves. I'm not saying to not take someone for how they present. You can always count on someone to be exactly who they are, but sometimes people feel forced to play a role that they're not designed for. All in the name of survival. Every one of us has been a fraud at some point. Sometimes it's all we can do to get through another day. And are we to judge everyone on their fraudulent versions? Are you not part of everyone? Be careful how you judge. Be careful how you manage your fraudulent version. Because some people, they'll hold you to it. And none of us want to live with our middle fingers in the air. My name's Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. I see you looking at me cynical. I ain't fucking with your smirk, ho. We've been doing shit despicable. But we just keep it on the low for So where were we? I'm back in Manteca where I probably shouldn't be. I'm in a new apartment that I've acquired yet again uh, by some hustle or some leveraging of a relationship, which seems to be a lot of what I do. I've proven my value to my new neighbors. I've essentially scared the shit out of all the rest of the neighbors in the apartment complex. But, you know, the one thing that I really need to be honest with everybody about, right? That's what this whole story is. Let's be honest. You know, I was a multifaceted scumbag. Just like the way I learned to manufacture methamphetamine, I watched, I observed, I learned, it was trial, it was error. It wasn't some bullshit montage from Breaking Bad. Uh, it took time, it took months. And in that same thing, if you recall the episode that we got pulled over on the freeway and all of those things that were in my trunk, there was a mobile meth lab. There was uh, magnetic ink and checks and credit cards. You know, these things were happening around me, but I was still, I was observing. I was watching because I knew one thing. If I was going to prevent ever somebody getting over on me, I had to learn their hustle. I had to understand what their grind was. So if there's people out there writing bad checks, stealing credit cards, if there's, you know, if they're 
doing anything fraudulent bank wise, right? I sure as hell don't want to make a deal with a stack of fake bills. So I got to learn what it is to make fake bills. I got to learn what it is. What's the process here that you're doing that you're printing checks and just randomly going out and cashing these things. That isn't to say that I ever did that. That wasn't my position. That wasn't my wheelhouse, but it was happening around me. And there was a lot of money exchanging hands. So as we're advancing through this story and I'm explaining or maybe positioning myself as, as, a, as the victim, oh, poor me, I was just as much to blame for my position, if not solely to blame. I take all, all credit is due <laughs> for the position that I was in. And so I need to backtrack a little bit and talk about when I started digging further into understanding fraud and how it works. I certainly don't want to be one ever the victim of fraud, and nor do I'm sure you listening, I, you don't want to be part of it. And I'm sure if it's ever happened to you, you wonder, how the fuck did this happen? Well, those are the things I need to learn. So I'd watch and observe and listen. And then when Jamie got busted, well, there was a void left. I knew who she worked with and, and how things moved around. So I knew who to go to if ever I needed to make money appear. But what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be the one that somebody feels like they're going to get over on. I'm not going to be that guy. And so I started going through the motions. Now, again, I want to be real clear here. I never executed any of this, but I, I know how to wash checks. I know how to create fake money. I, I, I know these things. Now, mind you, this was decades ago at this point, so I'm sure the game is way too advanced for me to sit here and try to assume that I know. But at that time, I learned it all firsthand. I knew where to get the magnetic ink. I knew where to get checks and blank credit cards. And, and I knew the people to go to that could get that for me. But see, there was a problem that I had in that it began the exercise at that apartment in Stockton. Now, in that apartment in Stockton, I had Eric. And while I sit here and I tell everybody, oh, I was doing the best I could for this kid, I was also teaching him how to be a hustler because it was all I knew. I was trying to be a good person in like the worst way possible. And I figured, I mean, the least I could do is transfer knowledge, right? Hey kid, this is how to not get scammed. This is what people are doing. And he'd watch me do it. And, you know, I look back at how Joe was able to convince this kid that I was just out to get him. It's not a far leap from him knowing I sell dope, knowing that I know how to execute all this fraudulent shit to him believing that I was just taking advantage of him to get money from the state. Wait, why the hell not? Right. You know, and, and it's important that everybody understand this because the roller coasters on the downside here, I'm in Manteca. I'm scaring all of my neighbors. Okay. I mean, who wants to live next to a guy that bangs people over the head with pipes that walk away bleeding from their rib cage. You know, I wouldn't let anything happen to my neighbors. Those are my neighbors. This is my neighborhood. I'm in control here. But I was in a bad way. Tony next door, 
Adam next door. Adam, Adam was cool. He, you know, he's not going to come up a lot here. He, he pretty much minded his business. He was like part of the crew, but he was a tertiary character in the background for the most part. Tony, on the other hand, he wanted to be like the guy in control. And, and as much as we've talked already, that's not what I was about. First of all, if you have anybody in your group that wants to be the man and the man in, in power, you're being too loud. You're drawing too much attention. You're going to get caught. And what good is making a shit ton of money if you're being loud and obnoxious and getting caught? Because some money is better than no money. But with that being said, Tony started making it very difficult for me to get the drugs I needed to clean, to redistribute as the better product. Because he was now at this point, my contact for this. And in this, people wind up finding out that I know, you know, I know Jamie's old hookups. Well, when people couldn't find Jamie and they knew that she and I were very close, they, they would come to me. Hey, Jay, I need such and such to happen. I became good at two things here. When the drugs got scarce and really the struggle at this point was just keeping myself high. Because don't forget, I'm a massive drug addict. Still, again, $700 a day habit. It doesn't matter what the price is, right? If I start paying retail, I got an even bigger habit. So I've got to keep my costs low. My contact from the family not showing up for me to be able to make the exchange of money and drugs and so on, them not showing up just continued. There was no re-meetup. There was no reschedule of this meeting. And so I was sort of left to flounder. And now I've got people coming to me saying they also cannot reach and then insert whatever member of the family exists that they're looking for. And I'll tell you what, I'm nothing if not resourceful, which has played very well for me in the corporate world, right? If you need something done, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to figure it out. Whether it's with a ton of instruction or very little, I'm the guy that's going to get it done. For a lot of years, I was the quote-unquote yes man, and then I figured out, this yes man shit ain't for me, but I'll tell you what, I still get it done. So I once had a family member call me and told me that her husband was beating her up, and she needed to get away. And all she had was $400 to her name, and it wasn't enough for her to be able to leave. And I said, I'll tell you what. You give me your last $400 you have to your name, and I'll make you the money to get out of here. And it was tough. You know, she struggled with that one for a while, but ultimately she gave me her last $400. It might have been, I don't know, 10 p.m. But I took that $400, and I turned it into drugs. And then I turned that drugs back into more money. And I wound up that just that one night in a matter of, I don't know, six hours through the night, I managed to take $400 and make it 2000. Now that's profit. Okay. So what she got back was $2,400 and whatever was over, I kept, and I just kept rolling it and rolling it and making sure that she had what she needed to leave. So that was one thing that I got really good at flipping any hustler worth their salt. And I don't, I don't mean just in, in, in the game, not in the dough game. I mean, anywhere, if you're slanging shoes, if you're slanging stocks, you know how to get your grind on it. You know how to flip. If you can make a dollar out of 15 cents, you got something going. If you can make a hundred dollars out of 15 cents, you're fucking reliable, reliable people. They get more concessions. They get thought of more. 
I might be a bigger pain in the ass to deal with because I talk a lot of shit. But if you've got 15 cents and you need a dollar, but you can get a hundred, aren't you going to go deal with the bigger asshole to get the hundred? You are. And a lot of people did. And then there was the other scenario. People saying, hey, I just need money. And then insert whatever desperate reason you have. I could put you in contact with some people that are uh, a little more nefarious than me. I'm not willing to go down the road of fraudulent checks or credit cards or any of that stuff. But I know how it works. And I will present you with the opportunity as well as with the consequences that could follow. I was always very clear. Like, look, if you have no money, I can't make money out of no money. Okay. You have to have some skin in the game. So if that's not an option for you, I have this other option. But what I'm telling you is if you go see these people or if they agree to include you in whatever hijinks they got going on, there are consequences that could come back to bite you in the ass. And some people would bite. Ultimately, I would let them know, look, if I make this happen for you, you're going to have to do something for me. You're going to owe me a favor. You're going to have to kick me some cash, whatever it is. I'll, I'll make the intro. But after that, I want nothing to do with it. I like I'm out. I, I know this can happen. I'll set you up to get what you need. Desperate people look for desperate measures. I mean, most of most of my story I've already told you is a desperate person executing desperate measures. I mean, the reality is, is this whole thing. I mean, come on, my, my, my family members or family member or whatever, my friends, they'd send me off with money and let me go potentially pay whatever consequence happens on the way out to take care of themselves. And I'll tell you what, none of this, all of this was me being in search of, oh, somebody just needs to love me. And I would go be whatever monster they needed me to be in order to get the attention that I perceived as love. But the reality is, I never really found love in any of this. You know, looking back on it, I would never ask anything of somebody the way people asked of me. But, you know, again, it's hindsight. So I've been approached by folks at this time, living in this apartment in Manteca, surrounded by a bunch of criminals, not knowing where my family connection is, meaning to Bear and the team. And I never felt more alone in a crowded room than when I found out there was this dude that went by 6'9". Don't know his real name. I'll be honest with you, I think I ran into the guy once. But he was part of the same family. You know, he was associated in some way to Bear and the team. And he was another one of them cats in town that you just didn't fuck with. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know necessarily what his role was. I knew of him. He may or may not have known me. I, I, I don't know. But I had caught wind in a conversation where I, I was trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? Why can't I get a hold of anybody? And a story was shared with me that 6ix9ine was at a trailer park getting a tattoo in a trailer. And he was sitting in the chair and his arms out and somebody opens the door to the trailer and walks in and shoved a machete blade through this man's chest and just walked the fuck out. And so now my wheels are fucking turning. 
because is is my family being hunted? So now we've got Jamie that got locked up. Uh, my contact is nowhere to be found. One guy's dead. Oh, scary times. It was hearing that had me pump the brakes and like live in this bubble. And I, I almost didn't go anywhere. I was, I was afraid to go anywhere. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't conduct business, but man, I conducted it differently. If I didn't know you, if I felt sketchy in any kind of way, I'm telling you. I mean, tweakers are called tweakers for a reason, right? They're tweaked out. They're, they're tripping. So now I'm a functional businessman, quote unquote, but yet I'm lost in this drug. And people around me are dying and unable to be contacted. But money still has to get made. So you got to press on. Oddly enough, I was contacted by this girl. Her name is Amy. Amy, if you guys recall, I, in one of my earlier episodes, I had spoke about trying to play mind games with people, right? And I even went as far as I dated a buddy's girlfriend's sister just to get in his head that I could probably get with his girl because they look so much alike. Well, Amy was that girlfriend, and that girlfriend was of Chris. Chris, if you recall, I had come back from Arizona because he got arrested on federal land and he got busted with drugs and so on. And I tried to help him. He eventually lost whatever appeals he had going on and, and he had to do time. And I don't know if he, he went to prison. I'm pretty sure he went to prison. So it had to have been over a year. So anyway, he's locked up and apparently he had asked Amy, Hey, go see Jay, see if he can help me out, get some money on my books. And he was on some like work detail and he was able to go out and work on the roads. So anyway, she comes to me and tells me this story that, Hey, Chris needs some money on his books, says you might be able to help me. And he needs some concrete tools. <laughs> what the fuck? What is this? So I, uh, I go, okay. All right, Amy, listen, I can help you, but Here's here's your two options. You can either give me some money and I can flip it. But I, and I was very upfront. Like right now, it's not like it was. It's probably going to be a little harder, and the return may not be that great. Things are a little weird right now. Or I can put you in contact with this person that can arrange for certain fraudulent shit to happen. Whether it be you got to cash a check or run a card or fuck, I don't know but this, this is what I can present you as an option. Amy wasn't from this life. She was a quote-unquote good girl, at least in the grand scheme of things here. I don't know that she completely absorbed what it was I was telling her. Like, these are real consequences you can suffer here. But she was so in love with this dude, and good for her. You know, like, she just believed in him because she knew him from before all of this. So she had this vision of him and this understanding of him that was a little different. So she was willing to do whatever it took. So she agreed. I arranged, I got her tools. I had some of my parents, my, we had some old trowels and stuff like that. And I got those for her and here, this is who you need to talk to. I made the arrangements. She got money off. They go. I never heard from her again. I didn't hear the, hey, I got to see him. I didn't hear, hey, thanks for the money. Hey, not, not a fuck you, nothing. I heard nothing. And one day, sitting in this apartment, we must have been there probably, I don't know, four to five months by this point. 
So it had been a couple of months. It'd probably been two months since she came to me with this whole thing. And unbeknownst to me, Chris got out, which is great. Good for him. I'm glad. But I get a knock on the door and I open it. It's fucking Chris and, and Bub. Like, I haven't seen Bub in, I, I don't know how long. But here they are at the door and it was almost like the reality of everything that had happened over the past couple of years had just washed away. And I was so excited to see my friends because I, I felt like I had nobody. I was on defense full time and here are my buddies. And, and it's, it's almost like I regressed to being younger and I was so excited to see them and I invited them in, but the vibe, the vibe was not reciprocal. Now, Bub, Bub doesn't have a mean bone in his body, but this day he was angry at me. And Chris was super hyped up, you know, and he's got some prison muscle on him and, and he's feeling some kind of way. So they come in, say hi to Cindy. Now, when you came into my apartment, the door opens, the kitchen's to the right, the front room is to the left, the bedroom is straight back, straight ahead through a door. So I come in. And I could feel the vibe, so I positioned myself where I knew that I had a weapon or something to defend myself with because I'm, I'm seeing my boys, but I'm not feeling my boys. And they shut the door, and I wanted them to be there to tell me, Jay, we're here to help. It's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Now, they had no fucking idea everything I was dealing with, but God, I... I I just wanted somebody to tell me it was going to be okay and that I didn't have to be this person anymore. They laid in on me, you motherfucker, you piece of shit. You... Now, unbeknownst to me, the same thing that I was able to do for Amy that allowed her to get money for Chris, I had also done for a couple of buddies of Bubs. Now, I knew they knew each other, but I didn't know that they knew each other like that. You know, enough for him to get pissed off because here's the thing. I'm nothing if I ain't honest. What I'm telling you is, is I've always been straight up. These are the consequences. Don't come fucking pointing fingers at me because you made a decision and now you're looking for somebody to blame because you got to pay the price. That's just not how I roll. But they laid in on me, man. They never came towards me, but man, they just let me know what kind of piece of shit I was. And they, they're right. They're 100% right. I was, a, I was a piece of shit. They were exposing me for the piece of shit that I believed I always was. And now here I am just wishing there was somebody, please tell me that I'm, I'm okay. Please tell me that I don't have to be this way and that, the, that, that you have something. You're going to take me away from this and, and we're going to go back to being friends and, and this can all stop. And man, I tell you, I fucking broke down. I was in tears, man. Oh, this fucking gangster guy. No, 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 no. That was not who I was that day. I was in absolute tears and I stood, please help me. Please, you guys, I'm not okay. I need help. They, they did not help. They wanted me to know that I was a piece of shit and to stay away from everybody they knew, which is a fucking crazy thing to tell somebody, right? Stay away from everybody. How the fuck do I know everybody you know? God, do I got to start? I'm going to need everybody to have on name tags. I color coded. I don't fucking know. Figure out some, something. How are you going to tell me to stay away from everybody? You know, I mean, I know the specific people you're talking about. I, I can stay away from them. Fuck. I ain't seen them since I made sure they got money. That's funny that they got what they needed. And here the fuck we are. They left that day and they did. They didn't help. And, and you know what? They didn't need to help me. 
I was a fucking grown person. Now, admittedly, these people that came to me down to do some fraudulent ass shit, they made the decision. They knew the consequences. The consequences came back on them. And now, I, now I'm the scapegoat here? Like, come on, man. Chris had money on his books, got to see your bitch while you were out locked up, bro. No thanks for that. I'm sorry, bub. I didn't know your dude. Like, I told the kid, hey, bro, this is what's up. This is what I can do. But I don't have a lot of other shit going on right now. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And and instead of looking at myself and looking inward, like, hey, bro, you need to make changes for you. It's the why me? Poor me. Well, fuck, bro. Make some better decisions. This shit won't happen. So I, I dwelled on that for weeks. Until there was like a glimmer of hope in the craziest way shows up. One night, we're out on the balcony, all the neighbors are out, we're having a party, we're having a good time, and there was this little girl, I don't really remember her name, I mean, I could make one up for you, I don't know, isn't it Nancy, it started with an N, it might have been Nancy, I, I don't know. So Nancy was this little country girl that lived downstairs, she lived alone, when I say little, she was like 4'11", right, maybe 110 pounds wet, I, I don't mean young, she's just tiny. And she struck me as kind of a good girl. You know, she had her own car, had her own job, kind of doing her single lady thing. Good for her. But we're all hanging out, and I hear her door open, and this dude steps out. And I, I look down, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. It's fucking Bobby. I didn't see Bobby in years. I knew he did some time. I knew he got caught up with some shit. I mean, if you've been following up until this point, you know, me and this dude, we're not good. But I look down there, and there he is. And, oh, man, even now a little bit, like, I can feel it. Like, my stomach dropped. Like, oh, God. I was not prepared for this. Now I'm struggling to keep myself high. I can barely pay my fucking bills. I'm wrapped up in all this, this other shit. My friends showed up and abandoned me again. That's my perception of it. And now I got this cat. And I was not mentally prepared to get in a till death knockout drag out fight. And this dude, he's got no shirt on and he's fucking like prison jacked. And I don't know if y'all know anybody that's ever been to prison, but there's a certain look. And he had like, he's just been doing push-ups for two fucking years. He and I make eye contact and I'm like, fuck it, here it goes. I'm not going to back down. I'm too stupid to back down. He comes running up the stairs, runs up, makes the U-turn to head towards me. Tell me this motherfucker ain't got American History X. Edward Norton had that big old swastika on his chest. This motherfucker got a big-ass swastika on his chest. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. I mean, you got to be a certain level of I don't give a fuck to get a swastika tatted on your chest. And I'm talking like a six-by-six big-ass one. And as he's approaching quickly, I put my hand out and I'm like, he's either going to shake it or I'm going to have to swing it. And he runs up quick and I got my hand out towards him and I'm, you know, kind of sort of palm up, hand out. And he slows down right in front of me and he looks at my hand and he looks me dead in my eye and he shakes my hand and he fucking pulls me in and gives me a hug. And he goes, I didn't know how this was going to go. I was like, oh, fuck me neither, dude. So we hugged it out. He said, we good? I said, it looks like we're good, dude. 
And it was crazy. Like that was our making up. That was our, I'm sorry. That was our, I was tripping. That was, I forgive you for your dumb shit. Like that, that was it. That was like two crazy fucking people squashing years of insane beef and you know hugged it out hey you want a beer hey you want some shit hey you want to smoke some weed whatever so we start walking back downstairs towards nancy's house or apartment excuse me and uh he hands me a beer we're just sitting there smoking dope out in the open passing a joint and a glass pipe you know interestingly i think one of the Next sentences Bobby said to me was, hey, man, this is a nice bubble. Now, bubble is a glass pipe that you smoke meth from. And I said, yeah, I made it. He said, what the fuck? I said, yeah, bro. The, one of the stick that, that I was doing, I had my guy in, in Stockton that I got all my baggies from. Okay. And he also sold three foot sticks of uh, Pyrex tubing. And I got a glass cutting bit for a Dremel and I would cut pieces, you know, six to eight inches long and I would use map gas. Now map gas burns harder than propane, right? So it'll melt the glass much better. And I started glass blowing and making my own pipes, weed pipes, bongs, dope bubbles. It was a great service, right? Hey, I'd, sh I'd show up and you'd want 50 bucks worth of dope and it would all be packed in a pipe. Here you go. Fuck. I got you. You're ready to go now. You don't got to go buy one. So told him that story and he proceeded to tell me stories about the insane shit he dealt with in prison, which I, I don't know how to relate to that. I I'm sorry that he had to go through that because again, we didn't start in a bad place. We started off very positive as friends. I hate that for anybody. And while we're talking and sitting there bullshitting, this girl, Nancy's door opens again and another guy walks out. And he doesn't have a shirt on. I'm like, oh, this is getting a little, a little weird. He was his cellmate in prison. They were both together that night. And and what I learned about Nancy that night, she was just letting these guys take turns on her. You, you let your imagination go wild. So that's what was happening down there. Because apparently she had met Bobby at a bar there in Manteca at some point before he got locked up. So... Where do you think he went? Like the last place he knew he could get some because it's probably been a while. Kind of gross. I got to be honest. Not my vibe. We partied hard that night. Bobby wound up getting so fucked up. He was showing me his prison tats on his forearm. And on the outside of his right forearm, he had this big, nasty infection. It was like a staph infection of some sort. But this this thing was like a giant looking zit and it had a core in it. And he was like, yeah, it happened from getting a prison tat. He's like, you want to pop it for me? He goes, you know, you fuck, you know, you want to hurt me. He goes, you got rubber gloves. I was like, what? <laughs> hold on. And I ran upstairs. I tell Cindy, I'm like, hey, where's your sewing kit? Do we have rubber gloves? I need some rubber gloves. You got to give me some rubber gloves. Bobby's outside. You should have seen her face. Her eyes popped open huge. What? I'm like, just give me some rubber gloves. Sure shit. We had them. Yes. So I run back downstairs. I'm like, all right, let's do this shit. And I fucking, with my pointer finger and my thumb, I grabbed that thing and I fucking squeezed the shit out of it. And he, he was screaming and I was really loving it. He even said, he's, you fucking loving this, you motherfucker. I'm like, yeah, 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 motherfucker, yeah. But he couldn't take the pain. I had to stop and it hadn't popped. I hadn't got the core out. So we got a little more fucked up and I went in on it and I got that fucking core out. And you know what? I needed that. That felt good. 
it's funny the way he looked at me he's like you know you're fucking loving this shit and i'm like yeah bro i i am i didn't even like try to play like ha 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 like yeah bitch i am but you know what that was a moment of relief that something so crazy and that and that that led me to so many insane decisions was now behind me now this guy and i we tried to destroy each other and for us to just put it down and walk away. And what's crazy is my two really good friends that knew me from way before I knew Bobby walk into my fucking apartment when I was just trying to, trying to help as bet. I mean, it wasn't good help, but I was trying. I mean, hell, Chris sent his girl to me. I, I didn't go to her, but they came into my apartment and wanted to light me up. Like, like they were big bad. They came and they kicked me while I was down. But yeah, me and Bobby can squash some real fucking shit. One of the more fond memories I have of Bobby is that he and I were drivers. We could drive a car forward, backwards, sideways. It didn't matter. You know, we were drifting before drifting got hot. You know, we would race from Livermore to Tracy or vice versa and see how fast we could get through the Altamont. Now, the Altamont, it's like 26 miles. We tried to do it. I think the fastest we did it was in just over 11 minutes. I know that doesn't sound fast, but when you're going through the hills, the reason I tell you that is because about two weeks after Bobby and I made amends, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, we squashed it, he uh, he died in a car accident. And that's peculiar to me because I know he can drive. And the road he died on, French Camp Road. Now, French Camp Road is a cut through from I-5 to 99 and back. And it's a country road. We had traveled this probably together a thousand times. Alone, probably triple that. So how did he die on a road that we could drive blindfolded? I, I want to remember him as we repaired everything. And so I send my condolences to his daughter, his girlfriend, both of which were in the car with him. I know that guy had a good heart. But I'm wondering if he pissed somebody off and they caught him on that road. Because he knew that road. We all knew that road, like the back of our hands. Man, he's going to wreck? It, it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, even then, it, it, it didn't even put it in perspective for me. You can go at any time. All of this crazy shit that we're all doing. These guys are going to prison. I'm I'm out here just being a straight up dope fiend, justifying things in my own head as doing the best I can. I was invited to his funeral. I couldn't do it. I needed to leave that night that we reconciled everything. I needed to leave it there. I needed that to be okay. And I sure as hell didn't want to go to a funeral and see my future. You know, don't let yourself reconcile a relationship with somebody just for them to turn around and be lost. Do what you can to preserve good relationships and do what you can to be a positive influence. Because when I met Bobby, I could have said, Hey man, like we don't fuck with that and stood up for my friends or Hey Bobby, how about you not fuck with that? And we're onto this good thing. Come, come do this. Or Hey Eric, don't watch this fucking thing I'm doing and learn this shady level of shit. But to me, it made sense. I should be ahead of whatever scammer is trying to get over on me or I've chosen this lifestyle. So I have to play this role and, and I'm not that guy, but 
I hurt people because those are the rules now. Listen, until the next one, if you want to reach out, if you want to talk, you can get a hold of me at mymadnessmethod819 at Gmail or mymadnessmethod on Instagram. I'm, I'm working on a website right now. I'm doing some guest spots on some some other podcasts. I'll, uh, I'll present those to you guys so you can check those out as well. But I hope this all means something. I believe in all of you and I want the best for everybody. Just carry that. My name is Jason Furious, and this is my Madness Method. Hats, I was addicted to the dark side. Somewhere inside my childhood when it's my heart die. And even though we both came from the same places, the money and the fame made us all change places. How could it be through the misery that